This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, we'll get a snapshot of the lower mainland real estate market with our agent on the ground, John Carlson. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. He'll give us his insight into what's going on. But first, it's some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. Speaking of real estate, some pretty dismal numbers from across the country. The Canadian Real Estate Association reports that home sales were down a whopping 37.1% in January compared to a year earlier. Those are the worst results for the first month of the year in 14 years in Canada. So it raises the question, when will the real estate market hit rock bottom? And some are saying pretty soon. Rishi Sondai is an economist at TD Bank, and he says, quote, housing activity could bottom sometime in the first half of this year. Mortgage broker Kaylee Heaps says it looks like buyers and sellers are now recognizing that the housing market is now in a period of stabilization. 20,000 Tesla vehicles here in Canada and nearly 363,000 vehicles in the U.S. are being recalled. There are concerns with its full self-driving system because it apparently misbehaves around intersections and doesn't always follow speed limits. That's according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration in the U.S., even though Tesla CEO Elon Musk says that full self-driving vehicles don't need human intervention. If you look at the Tesla website, it says there that the cars cannot drive themselves and owners must be ready to intervene at all times. According to Transport Canada, Tesla will notify Canadian owners by email and supply an over-the-air firmware update. Uber is rolling out a new feature here in BC and Canada-wide that was tested during a pilot project in Calgary last November. Riders and drivers will be able to record audio of their trips, which Uber says is intended to encourage safety and provide peace of mind. Riders and drivers can record their trips by just pushing a button through Uber's app. These recordings will be encrypted and locked so they can't be accessed unless a safety issue is reported. If you're thinking of seeing a movie in the theaters tonight, there's some some big things out this weekend in Lower Mainland theaters. Uh, The big movie is Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, the latest from Marvel Studios. It's got Paul Rudd, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas. Bill Murray is even in this new Ant-Man. Another movie that opened this weekend is Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Finally, some family entertainment. No, wait. This movie, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, is a horror slasher flick based loosely on the classic story by A.A. Milne. But now, Winnie the Pooh is in public domain. So I guess filmmakers can do whatever they want with it. And in this movie, it follows Pooh Bear and Piglet, who have now become feral and bloodthirsty killers as they go on a murderous rampage, terrorizing a group of young university students and an adult Christopher Robin when he uh, returns to the Hundred Acre Wood five years later after leaving for college. Oh, bother.
So obviously not for kids. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Still in theaters, though, last week's number one film from the in the box office, Magic Mike's Last Dance, and there's always Avatar, The Way of Water. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Coming up, we're going to talk real estate, guiding us through the opportunities out there in the world of real estate as 2023 starts to heat up. John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And according to the Canadian Real Estate Association, home sales were down yet again by 37.1% in January compared to a year earlier. But the good news is some are predicting that we're getting close to the bottom and that the market is settling. To find out what is happening in the lower mainland market, we have our man on the ground in the trenches of the Vancouver real estate market for more than 25 years. He sold more than a thousand properties in all the different areas of the lower mainland. He is, of course, our friend John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. You can find him online at johnnysmartpoint.com. And John is with us now. Hi, John. Hey, Martin. Great again to be back. Thank you. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, the, the spring season is almost here and, uh, you know, we're, we're hearing these statistics and in just a second, uh, we're going to hear from a very satisfied customer. So, so how are things out there? What, what's the mood like? You know, I think the mood in the market right now is actually fairly positive. Um, when I look at, you know, my own listings and the activity we've gotten and uh, relatively quick sales, that's encouraging. Um, I've also, you know, had clients of mine that have called and said, Hey, John, you know, we're looking to maybe buy and what about this house or what about that one? And, um, you know, the, the good listings, I mean, generally people are more attracted to good listings are, you know, I'm getting good reports from other agents. Hey, John, we've got an offer or, uh, you know, this one is sold. So, um, I think that basically being a supply and demand business, Martin, um, the supply side is fairly weak. And as the, uh, you know, demand picks up again, as you mentioned, it might be the start of spring. It is actually the start of spring in the real estate market, speaking real estate wise. Um, supply and demand figures are showing a market that, you know, is, is healthy. It's, it's, a, it's a fairly balanced market. You mentioned, uh, what, a 30-something percent change nationwide. Well, in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, those numbers are, are over 40% uh, drops in the number of sales, the sales volume uh, over uh, in January compared to other Januarys. Now, January tends to be one of the slower months because, you know, people are recovering from all their Christmas and getting back to it and the weather's not good and all that stuff. But now being, you know, mid to end of February, Martin, we're, we're in, that, in that time now where the listings are really starting to bloom. And I think that the next 90 days are really going to be interesting in the real estate market. Uh, I think that the number of listings is going to hit highs that we haven't seen in a while. And if the absorption rate in terms of the number of sales stays historically low uh, and our and our new listings start to come to market, I think that's going to give buyers more choice and that's going to give buyers more flexibility and opportunity to submit lower offers and negotiate harder and, and therefore, you know, have prices come down. Are we at the bottom? Uh, I think there's probably some more adjustment to be done. Uh, you know, if you look at 
the interest rates uh, now being, uh, you know, again, what, what, four and a half percent, which is is not historically high. But the last time the rates were that high was about 2007, I think. So prices were a lot different that way. The interest rates have gone up a number of times fairly quickly. And I would suggest to the listeners out there that um, that the fundamentals having changed in terms of buyer confidence and interest rates, those changes take time to filter through the market. And I think that the big test will be this spring when we're looking at March, April and May. How many new listings hit the market in every segment? How many of those are actually selling? And if we have a, a bit of a supply and demand uh, imbalance in terms of less demand than supply, that will uh, continue to erode prices. And, and I think that's partly by design. Yeah, and it seems like the whole supply and demand issue is something that uh, doesn't get talked a lot about. And in the lower mainland, uh, I mean, supply seems to be a constant problem. Is it? Because do you remember times? I mean, in your long history of selling real estate in the lower mainland, do you remember a time when there was like way too much supply? Because it seems like as long as I've been sort of covering this beat, supply has definitely been an issue that there wasn't, wasn't enough of it. Yes. Well, we've been through, you know, a, a decade or a number of years, Martin, of really low interest rates and, um, uh, you know, high, um, uh, a n- high number of people who are coming into the area from other areas to greater Vancouver, from other areas in Canada and other countries. And, and of course, foreign buyers now have been banned for two years. Interest rates are different. And yeah, I do remember, you know, years ago when, it wasn't so much that there was too much supply. It's just that demand dries up when, when, when conditions aren't favorable. When people, you know, buyers, Martin, think of it this way. Buyers are, of homes are, generally speaking, uh, individuals, families who are making the biggest financial decisions of their lives. They have needs. They need to live somewhere. They want to be maybe close to work or schools or wherever it is, for whatever reason, they need a roof over their head. And it's a fundamental piece of their financial well-being as well as just, the, you know, their quality of life. So it's a very big decision. And I think what's happening right now is buyers are saying to themselves, hmm, okay, we're coming to the end of February. Rates just went up again. Is it the right time for me to buy? If I buy today, what's going to happen in three or four months? Am I, is my house going to be worth less than I paid for it? And, and that's where, what I mean by consumer confidence. If the last number of years that we've, that we've been talking about this, Martin, you know, for what, five or six years that I've been on this program, most of that time has been... Uh, in an era where money's relatively cheap to borrow to buy a house, it's fairly easy to get a mortgage and buyers are feeling like they have to buy, otherwise they're going to miss out. The shoe's entirely on the other foot. The market is not crashing, but I also would think that perhaps we haven't seen the bottom of the price adjustments. We've seen prices get incredibly high historically here in, you know, the lower mainland. And with the new, you know, set of you know, rules, regulations, uh, you know, financial markets, all that sort of stuff. I think we're going to see a continuing gentle erosion of pricing once that new uh, inventory hits the market in the spring and, and buyers have a lot of choices. So prices don't go up on their own. They are only pushed up by buyers who have the willingness and the ability to go higher and higher and higher in pricing because they fear they're missing out. Well, the willingness to pay big dollars is not quite there the same way it was. And the ability to finance those higher purchase prices is not there anymore. So these changes take time to work out. And, uh, you know, as I said a couple of weeks ago on the program, we're kind of in a little bit of a Goldilocks market right now. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. There's not too much supply. Uh, interest rates aren't crazy. Uh, you know, so we're in a nice little period, but it's going to be very interesting. A lot of pundits and a lot of people who are in the industry 
are really paying close attention to see what happens in the next few months. And I, you know, I'm going to be working those three months and every couple of weeks I'll be on this program and I'll update the listeners with, you know, what I'm able to tell them. We're talking to John Carlson on Vancouver Consumer. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint, and you can find John online at johnnysmartpoint.com. It's J-O-H-N-N-Y, two N's, johnnysmartpoint.com. You can also give John a call at 604-612-0080. John at johnnysmartpoint.com is the uh, email address as well. And uh, he loves getting emails. And uh, coming up in a little bit, we're going to hear from uh, a satisfied customer of yours who, who sold a house, a classic scenario where they have to sell the family home. And that's something that uh, comes up a lot. And that's something to talk about because I think uh, with, with real estate, you hear a lot of statistics and there's things about, uh, you know, interest rates and how that affects the market supply and demand. But, but I guess the thing that makes the real estate market different from some other markets is that people need to buy a house when they need to buy a house you know, they can't wait sometimes they're, they're moving or there's a death in the family or, or whatever reason they need to upsize, they need to downsize. Um, they, they can't decide all the time when they want to sell. And I guess that's an important part of the, the real estate game. Hey, you know, that is, and it, it brings up another point that of course that is true about buyers, but I'd say it's much more true about sellers, especially in the coming months. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, sellers, you know, when the market started to change a bit, we didn't see, you know, the sales volume drop towards the end of this past year. We didn't, we didn't see as many sales. They, they you know, the, the, the numbers were dropping and dropping, but we didn't see a big fl- influx of listing inventory. And so sellers kind of got a, a nice, you know, a nice deal out of that, if you will. If you wanted to sell or needed to sell towards the end of the year, you didn't have a ton of competition. But I think, you know, what I've what I've meant in the past when I've said, I think the other shoe's about to drop. And that sounds kind of dramatic. I'm not saying that things are falling apart or going crazy, but we haven't we haven't seen that other shoe drop where sellers have to capitulate. Sellers are the ones, I think, that are going to be in a position where, hey, it's time to refinancing. My interest rate right now is 1.69 or whatever it might be. And now, you know, I'm at four and a half or five percent and my payments are going to go up 60 percent or 80 percent. I'm throwing numbers out there. But these are the kind of situations I think that we're going to see emerge where, you know, for financial reasons, people may want to sell or for personal reasons, and they're going to get on the market. And I'm not saying the market will be flooded with desperate sellers, but it'll be a de- definitely a different landscape than we've seen recently where there will be sellers who say, hey, you know, boy, I really need to sell this property. I'm not going to refinance it in, in 30 or 90 days. And those are the kind of situations I'm talking about where sellers will find out that, hey, wait a minute, I need to sell now. And the number of buyers out there is not as strong as it was. And the ones out there don't have the financial backing they once had. And they're bargain hunters. So, um, you know, I think that that's the biggest dynamic that we're going to see in the market. People hitting the market, whether they need to sell or just want to sell and finding out that the response isn't maybe what they wanted it to be. And over time, that produces a softening in sale prices. But again, nobody's got the crystal ball. Nobody knows for sure. These are just my thoughts. Right. And a lot of times the the people that I read this week who were talking about a bottoming of the market, they were talking about uh, probably by the end of the year. So, I mean, that could mean that maybe uh, now might be a good time if you're thinking of selling. You think it might be better 
to get on it now than later? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fantastic. I got to be careful here. I'm a salesperson, right? And and you know, the last <laughs> thing you want is to talk to a sales guy who always says, "Hey, it's always best time to sell." But you know, I, I really do think that you know, in this you know market, if you're selling the family home and you know you need to sell, I think you're probably going to do better now than you than you will three to six months from now. Uh, by the end of the year, who knows? That's a long time, and. Uh, in, in, in a real estate market setting and financial markets. And nobody really knows right now if inflation is going to slow down and if interest rates are going to stop rising or, uh, you know, what's going to happen in the overall economy in Canada, that sort of thing, the job market. There's all kinds of things that go into it. So I have to be very careful. I'm not an economist, but as you say, you know, I'm out in the trenches every day. I'm fielding offers from buyers. I'm getting agents calling me, you know, making you know, questions, propositions, hey, would this happen? Could that happen? My guys are feeling this way, you know, uh, you know, their their affordability might be here or their confidence level is here. And do you think we could put a deal together? And all I'm telling you is, um, and, and, you know, I think we're going to talk about the sale on Midvale soon. It was a great example is you need to understand your value and what you bring to the market so you can price accordingly. And then I would suggest, different than we talked about in the past, put your price high enough to set the bar high enough to show people what you expect because you're going to have to fight for it. Buyers are not sure what's going on in the market and buyers are very careful when they're submitting offers. Chances are an offer comes in, you're going to have to counter offer it and negotiate it and you know hopefully have some leverage with other people coming to the, to the table with offers because you got to fight for your money nowadays. It's not as simple as just putting a sign in the yard and putting a price and expecting somebody to pay that plus more. Right. John Carlson, uh, Johnny Smart Point, johnnysmartpoint.com is, is the website. If you're thinking of selling, uh, you should talk to John uh, because John has been in this business a long time in the Lower Mainland and not just specific areas, pretty much the entire Lower Mainland. And uh, you can find him online, johnnysmartpoint.com or send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. Or give them a phone call, 604-612-0080. And when we come back, we're going to hear uh, from someone uh, who sold a house with the help of John Carlson and uh, was very surprised at uh, how little time it took. That story when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And our guest this afternoon is John Carlson, Johnny Smart Point. Uh, you know him. Uh, from his website, johnnysmartpoint.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y, smartpoint.com. And I want to talk a little bit later about where the whole idea of SmartPoint comes from, because basically it can save you money. Uh, you can also write him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And uh, John, I, I want to I talk to uh, one of your customers now, because um, uh, it's somebody who sold a house, uh, and I, and I think, uh, well, let's just hear from Bev. Uh, hi, Bev. Hi. Hi. So now you and your sister, Susie, you, uh, suddenly found yourself with, uh, a big responsibility that I guess a lot of people, a uh, situation, a lot of people find themselves in. They need to sell the family home. It's the home That's you right. grew up in. Tell us the story of that. Well, um, my mother recently passed away and, She'd lived in that home for oh, probably 54, 55 years. 
and uh, we were so used to going there. <laughs> it was uh, difficult to part with it, yes. Yeah. But and where was the house? The house was in Coquitlam. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, of course, had grown up and moved away from there, but my parents still lived there. So it was, uh, it was a special place. Yeah, a lot, a lot of memories, and I guess you feel uh, a big responsibility selling the house. You want to make sure you you get you know what it's worth, but you also yeah. you, you don't want to rush into anything, right? No, well, and so many people had said to us, "Oh, you won't even sell it. Things have gone down," and it was sort of doom and gloom around us. But uh, we thought, well, we'll give it a try and. And I'd seen John's sign a couple of years previously across the street from my mom's house. And then I listened to CKNW and I heard him on there. <laughs> so well, that's good I to know. wrote his name down and uh, sort of kept it on file for when uh, my mom wanted to sell or when we would sell. And you talked about the doom and gloom that everybody was talking about. How long did this process take? It only took about two to three weeks. Wow. So we were really pleased and surprised. And uh, But John was very, uh, he's a very personable man. And uh, when we met him, he made us feel comfortable. And we sat and talked about the house and the market and different things that were going on. And uh, he made us feel comfortable with the whole process. Right. And you're happy with, uh, with the, the price you got? Yes, we are. Yes. Yes, we were very pleased. Yes. Yeah. So so tell us about working with John, because when I talk to uh, clients of John's, they always say uh, he kind of, sometimes they say he kind of became part of the family, but they always talk about how he uh, he's sort of uh, a listener. Would you say that's true? Yes, that is true. He does listen to what you have to say. He doesn't dominate the conversation. But he does give you good information. He, he explains things, takes you through the process very clearly. So it, uh, I think that puts you at ease. Mm-hmm. What were your, some of your, your fears going in? Well, we did, of course. We were fearing that it wouldn't sell and we'd have it on our hands for a long time. But... Uh, I don't know, things just rolled along and uh, he seemed to have everything in hand. So we right. thought, well, we'll leave it to him. <laughs> He's a professional. <laughs> yeah, and, and you, you did this all with your sister Susie as well. So I guess That's right. you, you you wanted to to keep everybody in the loop. Do you feel like John sort of made sure that uh, both you and Susie were satisfied with what was going on? Oh, yes. Whenever we had a phone call or a text, it was to both of us. And right. we had three-week calls, and you know, we kept us both informed. So right. we, we knew every step what was going on. So for people listening who uh, may be thinking uh, about selling house, maybe they're in the same situation as you. Um, what advice do you have for them? Well, I would, I would uh, definitely give him a call. I would recommend him. Uh, he made the process quite smooth for us. So we were we were pleased, and we yeah. uh, we felt involved. <laughs> yeah, that's important too to feel like you're you're part of it. You're not just sort of leaving it all to somebody else, especially when it's a house you grew up in. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. No, it was uh, it was hard because we knew we know most of the neighbors there too, and nice people, and uh, it was uh, they were good to my mom, and uh, they all enjoyed each other in that neighborhood. Yeah, and and who knows? Maybe the the next owners will. It'll be another fifty years before it leaves that family. Oh, it'd be nice. Yeah, <laughs> never know. <laughs> no. Well, well, congratulations, Bev, and uh, I, I'm sorry for the loss of your mom, and uh, I wish you the best of luck in this sort of new chapter in your life, and uh, thanks well, thank for talking you. to us. Well, thank you very much. Another satisfied customer of John Carlson, Johnny Smartpoint. JohnnySmartpoint.com is the website. John, uh, you know, I, I hear the same things from everybody, that uh, that you that you go in and you listen and you and you just sort of uh, help them out in a way that uh, just works. Wow. Well, you know, I got to just say, I, I love that, Bev. And uh, <laughs> I, I love hearing my clients say things like that. I, I can't lie. I love it. Uh, working with Bev and Susie was an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, I got to meet their husbands at the home. Uh, Bev is, you know, out of town. So we were communicating with three-way calls and Susie's is local. And, you know, these ladies worked hard uh, looking after their mother and, and then getting the house prepared. Mom apparently kept a very tight ship and clean house. And it was, you know, it didn't need a lot of cleanup. It was very well cared for home. Um, and, and so I was really lucky to be chosen to, to work for them. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, a, you know, a little bit especially proud of, of what we did in this sale, um, you know, if you don't mind me saying, because when it came time to do evaluations, there were, you know, we took a strategy again, where we were going to price it. What I thought was at the highest possible range of the market that the market would bear knowing and, and explaining this to Bev and Susie that, you know, buyers are uncertain. We're going to get some low offers. We're going to have to, you know, either counter them or tell them to, you know, politely ask them to come back if they're more serious uh, and that's exactly what happened. And when it came to evaluation time, I think it would have been very easy for us to put a lower number on the house. In the end, we got very close to the list price. Um, it would have been very easy. And in fact, you know, that we had uh, an offer right away. It was interesting. The way we introduced this one is we had it listed just in time to do the photos. And I announced it two weeks ago. The last time I was on the program, I said, hey, we got an open house tomorrow. Come out and see it. The open house was fantastic. We had lots of good action. But as expected... You know, we had the uh, first offer was a verbal one at about uh, 400000 under the list price, which, of course, went nowhere. Um, you know, then we had a written offer that was about two fifty under the list price. And, you know, that was a good agent. And she provided, you know, a little mini evaluation in her email with the offer showing homes in that area, not just blocks away that had sold, you know, for, you know, we were listed at 1699 and it's now sold not too far off of that, but showing homes that had sold for 1.45 and that sort of thing. But what you know, what, what really was the deal about this house is, and, and as, as Bev mentioned, I worked with the sellers some years ago across the street. And those people, these lots on Midvale are fantastic. They're big lots. It's a quiet street. It's close to everything. It's a perfect place to build a new house. And that house across the street years ago was torn down and a, a really nice, big, modern house was put there. And, I, you know, I happened to know and explain to Bev that and Susie that, you know, the segment of buyers who are looking to build you know, they want to invest. It's, it's expensive to build. If you're going to build, you're, you want the best possible lot you can get. Otherwise, you're spending big money to build what on a, on a busy street or, you know, near an intersection or in a place that has all kinds of covenants. This house had a clean title. It had 70 foot frontage. You could build a big house with a triple garage, all these sorts of things. 
And so I explained to them that, you know, their house was a cut above some of these other sales and that, you know, we could list it lower, but at my advice, I thought, let's put this on the high end, give something, uh, you know, for the buyers to shoot at. And chances are we're going to have to fight for it, but let's do that. If we need to adjust down the road, we can always make that adjustment. And, you know, that's the way it went. But <clears throat> in the end, we did get a, an offer that was that was a good offer. And it was, you know, subject to the buyer making sure that, you know, their architect would approve it for the type of house they wanted to build. And in the end, that happened. And then there was even a third party that kind of came to the table after we already had the offer saying, you know, hey, if it falls apart, let us know. So I was quite happy with the result of this one. And, you know, it had a lot to do with recognizing the full potential of that house and that lot, um, which was, you know, superior to the vast majority of things that were even three, four, six blocks away. So I feel really happy about that one. And then on a personal level, again, Bev and Susie, uh, just fantastic. I was really happy to work with them. Um, I hope our relationship continues. I'm always there for you, Bev and Susie, if there's any other real estate stuff you need to do or or help with anything. So again, very lucky to work for them. I, I love hearing uh, Bev come on to, to speak for both of them and, and give me that good testimonial. And again, for the listeners out there, I'd love to remind you that um, at this time of year, I have time. I'm not too busy. If you want to talk to me about your property and selling, maybe you want to sell two or three months down the road, feel free to call me anyhow. I'm ready to talk. JohnnySmartPoint.com is where to go. J-O-H-N-N-Y SmartPoint.com. You can also send an email, John at JohnnySmartPoint.com. And John, just it sounds like a perfect example of why you need an experienced, uh, experienced agent on your side because with sales like this, it seems like it's all about momentum and you don't want to lose that momentum. And you went in, you priced it right. And everything was right, right off, right out of the gate. And within three weeks, the property was sold because the last thing you want is to lose that momentum. And then you're on the market for months and months and months. I think that's a very good point, Martin. And when we did the evaluation and looked at some of the other neighborhood sale uh, listings, you know, there were quite a few there that were on the market a long, long time. And, it, you know, you, you start to, in a slower market, if you're on the market a long time and maybe you adjust your price after a month, well, you might be following the market down. And that's never a good idea if you want to maximize your price. And buyers tend to, you know, have more focus and more confidence in new listings that other people haven't rejected, so to speak, for 60, 90, 120 days kind of thing. So these new listings, so it's very important to come out with a, with a strategy thought out from beginning to end, not just throw a price on it and say, hmm, all well, the neighbors sold for this, let's just throw that price on there. You want to be very thoughtful about what you're bringing to the, the market compared to your competition. You want to see what maybe other mistakes other you know sellers have made in, in terms of un, being unsuccessful and you want to avoid that. So it's really important to, to be accurate, but also, as I mentioned, be prepared to be flexible because if plan A doesn't work in a slower market, you have to be ready for plan B. And in this case, plan A worked just great. And uh, again, I'm thrilled with it. And it's good to know Bev and Susie are also very happy. John, uh, thanks so much. It was great talking to you. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. I'll be back. Thanks again, Martin. John Carlson, Johnny Smart Point. You can find him at johnnysmartpoint.com online. 604-612-0080 is the phone number or send John an email. John at johnnysmartpoint.com. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Still to come, a lot of weird stuff in the sky these days. Spy balloons, uh, crazy fireballs over the BC interior. Plus, it's a look at something even weirder 
that happened on this weekend back in 1938. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. A lot of weird stuff happening in the sky. You know, in the first two weeks of February, the U.S. Air Force has shot down four flying objects over North America, including Canada. The latest was a week ago when an American F-22 shot down a cylindrical object over Yukon. The U.S. and Canada worked together to take that one down. Thursday, President Joe Biden said that the last three that were taken down were not related to the first Chinese spy balloon and were owned by private companies doing research and they were no threat to anybody. And then there was a strange sighting in the skies above B.C. On Friday the 10th, Tyler Arden of Abbotsford was in Kelowna. He was loading up his van at about 7.10 in the morning. When he looked up, saw an odd object streaking across the sky. Arden said the object looked to be on fire with a trail of black smoke. He was able to watch it for about five minutes. He even got a pretty good photo of it. You can find that on the Global News website. The first thought by many was that it was a meteor, though some question that, saying it's rare for a meteor to be seen in the sky for that long. So lots of questions about what's going on up there. And some of these mysteries never get solved. For example, February 19th, that's tomorrow, 1938 in Vancouver. Something very strange and unexplainable happened. At 31 minutes after 6 in the morning, a loud explosion shook Metro Vancouver. The shock lasted a good minute, rattled windows, shook buildings, and woke up people right across the city. A lot of people heard it. Reports say the noise was heard as far east as the Second Narrows and as far north as the Capilino Suspension Bridge. According to the 1938 headline in the Vancouver Sun, they referred to it as a mystery blast. They looked at the seismograph at the observatory in Victoria And there was no sign of an earthquake. As you can imagine, in the days and weeks after the blast, the theory started coming fast and furious. Was it an earthquake? A bomb plot? Some are convinced that a ship had exploded in the harbor. Maybe it was an alien invasion. The phone lines to the newspapers and to City Hall were swamped with calls. But still, no one could provide a solid answer. No seismic activity was detected outside the city limits. And even UBC geology professor M.Y. Williams was unable to provide any explanation. They checked all the places where blasting operations might have been going on, but they found no answers there. One theory that kept popping up was that maybe the blast and then the tremor were caused by a meteor crashing into the North Shore Mountains. The trouble with that theory is no one saw anything in the sky beforehand. So as it stands, that explosion... That happened on the morning of February 19th, 1938, has never been solved. This is Vancouver Consumer. And coming up, a big recall of Tesla vehicles in Canada and the U.S. Apparently, its self-driving system has a lead foot, among other concerns. I've got that story along with more of the week's consumer news 
when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.